In an online world that never sleeps, you can't afford to be off ever. So how do you keep rooms full, guests raving, costs down, and staff happy? SiteMinder is the world's leading hotel commerce platform that provides hoteliers like you with the tools you need to sell, market, manage, and grow your hotel business all from a single dashboard. It allows you to be present among top booking channels, connect with your guests, build loyalty, and boost revenue. This intuitive platform has everything you need to succeed in the world of online hotel commerce. To learn more and get 50% off your first six months of a 12-month contract, visit siteminder.com forward slash principles. That's siteminder.com forward slash principles. We're still assessing for culture. We're still interviewing for culture. The property still has to orient and train for culture. Like those things are critical. That was critical before COVID and, and we're and we're doing it now. We're doing all of those things still and, and have enhanced them too in, in different ways. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Sue Sanders. She's the Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at HVMG, a hospitality management company based in Atlanta. You could make a strong argument that the common thread through which many of today's challenges in the hospitality industry are connected are through human resources. That's definitely not saying HR is the cause, but rather HR being the bridge to many of the solutions. We've done some episodes in the past about how hotels are dealing with challenges around retention, recruiting, culture, benefits, or development. But I wanted to have Sue on the show to share how a large hotel company is thinking about these at a more global level. It's relatively easy to innovate on a one-off basis, but it's another thing entirely to find and implement non-traditional solutions at scale. And that's what we're discussing on this episode. I really enjoyed hearing about some of the ideas that HVMG is bringing to life. And my hope as it is with every episode is that you find something here that can help you in your business. So let's get to it. This is episode 105 of the Proven Principles podcast, Sue Sanders on how human resources is evolving. Enjoy. Sue, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to have you. Thank you, Adam. Nice to be here. So why don't you give everybody a rundown on uh, who you are? What's your connection to the industry and what do you do for HVMG? Oh, absolutely. So at Hospitality Ventures Management Group, we are a uh, ownership and management group privately held. We're um, headquartered in Atlanta. The company's 21 years old, though our CEO had a, another company uh, for 25 years before that. So we certainly have a long history in the industry. Um, we have 56 hotels today. I think we're the largest operator in the greater Atlanta area uh, with 16 hotels um, just in, in Metro Atlanta. Uh, we have about 3,000 associates again today, happy to say, um, across those 56 hotels. And we're um, experts at turning around underperforming properties. That's how we've what we've always done, even in our um, even in the prior company. Uh, we do it mostly for uh, branded Marriott's, Hilton's, Hard Rock's, and um, Hyatt's and IHG's. So we do have a handful of independents and resort properties. Um, and then specifically, um, my role at Hospitality Ventures is everything that has to do with talent and human resources. Uh, I have the you know pleasure of leading a team of um, highly competent and passionate 
um, hospitality professionals. They are all, they do all have a hotel uh, background in operations before human resources or before talent and sourcing. And I think that's something special about our team um, and very much fits with our company and our culture um, to be there to support the hotel. So really when when you think about the scope of my role, it's, it's anything that has to do with the branding of us uh, as an employer, all the way through our hiring um, practices, and then all of our practices to retain our associates and partner with our brands to bring the brand to life through the associate experience at the property, and then through the life cycle of the associate, which we hope is for a, a, a very long time, um, and um, <laughs> and and if not, then 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 through the uh, through the end of their employment. I can only imagine that the last couple, maybe, oh, I guess we're pushing three years now, has completely upended how we maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you and your team think about your role in, within the industry, maybe within the company. I mean, you, you said it, you said actually, the way I like the way you said that, bringing the brand to life, talking about recruiting, you know, how do you engage guests and staff in a meaningful way? And that was always hard pre-pandemic, but things have just shifted and completely like, you know, gone up in the air and flipped over. I, I'd love to get your take on, from your perspective, where are we in hospitality today from the human resources perspective? How are you guys looking at the world? Well, it's interesting. The last few years, I think only the nimble have survived. Um, if you weren't, you know, willing and uh, capable of of changing policies and uh, changing what you do on a day to day basis, really at 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 the you know at, at a moment's notice, then you weren't paying attention and you weren't really thriving in the, in the world. And and you know there was about a twelve month period there where we were all just hanging on and kind of riding the roller coaster of the pandemic and you know doing everything we could to be there for our hotels. You know, the largely laid off. Most of them, 75% of their workforce, we went through a reduction at the corporate office. Uh, we went through a salary reduction as well as a headcount reduction at corporate um, and at two. So we all really went through this together. And then there was the ever-changing policies and and the health and 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 wellness and and uh, PPP and um, and kind of all of that. And so it really changed our world. And we went from being you know super focused on. Um, well, we're always very focused on culture. I don't mean to say that that changed, but really being kind of ahead of the curve and uh, very culturally focused all of a sudden having to be really excellent at, you know, policies and 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 focused on policies where that's never been our focus. We, we think, you know, we have the basics covered, we're compliant, but we're not a policy-driven organization. That's not in our secret sauce. And yet we had to become that because that was the world that we were in for a while. If it was changing PTO policies or implementing cleanliness policies and uh, tracking for temperature checking and kind of all of these things, all of a sudden mm -hmm. we had to become very and quickly, you know, knowledgeable and, and efficient around. And so it changed, I think for a lot of us really, you know, what it, it just put a different focus on why we're like there, right? We're all, we've always, all of us are in human resources because of the love for the associates and wanting them to have the best associate experience and everything that we can do to, to make sure that that, you know, happens for them and what that looked like just changed for those, for those associates. And, and, and so we all had to change with that. Then, and then of course, coming out of the, the um, pandemic, it was staffing up. And so we had to very much change 
what how we think about sourcing for um, not just for the for our hotels, but also just for the industry. Um, I, I think there's a lot of alignment now around um, bringing in people who are not who don't even have a background in hotels and training them. You mm-hmm. see that through the the partnerships and the programs like Job Corps that the AHLA is doing, um, and then they have some other programs that they're piloting in major markets um, to train um, folks to to uh, on the hospitality industry and to entice them to come into the industry. And as we're working with the Georgia Hotel Lodging Association, we're, we're seeing similar efforts there too. So that, you know, that's, that's great. We, we really started that a couple of years ago coming out of this partnering with our local universities and um, um, to, to bring not just hospitality students in, but others and, um, and, and, and that effort, because we're, as a million people are leaving a month, we have to find um, we can't just expect those same people to come back. We have to find new, um, new channels, um, for, mm. for associates. And then it's things like, and there's just constant change management around it. It's, it's making sure that we're offering flexible schedules. Our associates wow. are working. You think that, you know, that sounds very simple, but it's really, um, it is something we're constantly reinforcing with our properties. Um, our candidates and our associates are working two and three jobs. They're taking mm-hmm. care of children. They're taking care of elderly parents. Um, if we want those associates to work in our hotels, they have to be able to work the hours that work with their schedule. Otherwise, if we think we're just we're going to find someone who can work forty hours whenever we want, we're we're really it's going to be very difficult to fill some of those positions because like it used to be. Right. Like it used to be, right? I mean, when I don't know about you, when you started, but I know my first job as a server in a hotel, um, I there was no asking for any certain amount of time or certain days or the week or hours off, right? And then you <laughs> no. worked when they scheduled you or you didn't or you didn't work. Um right. it's so different now and 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 that's okay. And we but we have to meet them where they are. Um and uh, the other thing too is is just um we, as we're ramping up and we're so thin in the hotels, I think we were really probably the first management company um, to um, go out and centralize all of our sourcing of hourly positions. So overnight, we set up a center of excellence for sourcing talent the, called the Talent Acquisition Center of Excellence, or TACO for short, um, mm-hmm. that we staffed um, with recruiters, basically, who each have a handful of hotels and receive training on those properties. And we set up system, systems and processes so that they could source and hand over qualified, uh, interviewed, you know, screened candidates to the hiring manager at the hotel to do the fi- final interview. And by doing that, we were able to fill you know, 30% of those positions um, you know, that, that were open very quickly. And now we're up over to coast sourcing closer to 100% as we've um, gotten to steady state and mm. fully staffed to co and got to steady state. So they're, mm-hmm. so they're, they're doing most of the hiring now for the properties and that takes a big burden off of the hotels. But, but again, if the hotel wants to um, not offer flexible schedules or not pay market wages, just, you know, uh, or retention and hiring bonuses, those are really kind of three key levers that we use to, uh, to recruit and to be an attractive employer. Um, besides, the excellent benefits that we have and the low cost 
that we provide those to our associates and um, excellent PTO and holidays and and mm-hmm. many, many, many other benefits. But besides that, we have to do all of these other things on the front end in order to attract them. You just brought, yeah, I just had this vision of like a, a hotel not wanting to explore flexible schedules and finding all kinds of reasons not to raise their wage to be competitive and some of the other benefits that are being talked about <laughs> and calling up your office and saying, oh, we can't find candidates. You guys, you got to help us with recruiting. Where are we going to get people? <laughs> I could just see this back and that, forth. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> right. And, and, and we're, we are sourcing for them. So, so we're sourcing and they, they may say, you know, well, why don't I have more candidates? Mm-hmm. And then we say, well, why aren't you paying my, you know, why aren't you paying market wages right. um, yeah. or, or offering? And, and, and listen, it's a constant, of course, what's easy, what's easy is someone who will work 40 hours whenever you want them to, right? You don't have to play a puzzle every, you don't have to put together a puzzle every week. That's when right. you, I, you know, we understand that we've all worked in hotels, we've all made schedules. Um, um, but at the same time, we also know that we have to change and adapt as an employer in order to, you know, attract um, talent. Now, I wonder, yeah, no, you're 100% right. There's so many things I want to walk through here with you, but it it does bring up the question just while we're on the topic about flexible schedules is, and I personally haven't explored this, but I, I, I can see this maybe being a barrier that needs to be overcome where, I mean, obviously typical schedules have been made um, because it's a 24 hour business in a lot of the positions. And so you just need to cover 24 hours a day. And it's easy to do that with three, eight hour shifts. Um, but also scheduling based off of business need and demand. Um, but also, you know, if you kind of think back to pre-pandemic days, there might be areas of the hotel that you were staffing that either probably didn't need an employee standing there to do something because there wasn't a lot of business, or it was just an offering that was made available to guests that didn't get used very often, I guess, kind of the same thing I just said. Um, and I, maybe this is more of a philosophical question, but has there been a discussion about the, uh, maybe pulling back of traditional services within the property to accommodate flexible schedules? Cause I could see that just from an ops perspective, you kind of, you got like that assistant front office manager who's doing the schedule and probably, you know, doing schedule for maybe multiple departments now, um, and trying to fill in all of these holes and having a real challenge with it, because there's just a whole breadth of, of job positions and functions that need to be covered for. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting, the best out there, right? And the best translates into they happen to have the highest guest satisfaction scores. They happen mm-hmm. to have the highest market share and they happen to be the most profitable. But those are also the same, right? Those things, none of those things are a coincidence, right? It's all right. about the Doesn't leadership, right? It's yeah, it's all about the leadership at the hotel. Well, those are the same hotels that have the lowest turnover and the same hotels that um, are paying market wages and are doing some things. And so to, to uh, make scheduling more flexible. So for example, to your question, thinking about, um, well, let's see, does a room attendant have to work, you know, from eight until four? Like why, mm. why? It, no, a room attendant could work really still wants 40 hours, but can only work, uh, four days a week. Why not 
four 10 hour days and make the mm-hmm. shift go until, you know, it's eight until six, right? For those rooms where either you have a late check-in or you know you're not selling that room out, you know, just do a right. different, a different. So there are, there are things like that where no one had to tell the, you know, where the, where the GM just saw this opportunity. They're like, okay, I can actually, I'm actually freed up now to make some of these changes that I've really always thought about and maybe wanted to try, but didn't, I was always so busy that, you know, that I couldn't do it. And I, I didn't, mm-hmm. there wasn't like this, I didn't have to do it. Well, now it's like taking their ideas into this environment where we really do have to do it. Um, and so they're doing things like that, like like different um, staggering shifts and and changing the hours on shifts and and having, you know, three or four hour shifts. Right. Why, why not? If that's three right. or four hours when someone can come in and or combining roles. So in particular, in our select service hotels where there's a where there's a breakfast and the, the desk and they're very <laughs> in close proximity, we'll cross train the, the front office um, associates so that they can also um run the breakfast. We'll train them on how to set it up and manage it and run it. And, and in particular, when thinking about the days where our occupancy was lower, or earlier days coming back, right, that, that really made more sense. Now, if, if, we're, if we're back or we're higher than 2019, where we are in a lot of cases, we're probably not doing that anymore. We probably need a full-time breakfast attendant or, or maybe more, mm-hmm. but, you know, but, but, pe- but there was a lot of that, um, you know, consolidating roles and consolidating responsibilities. And then, you know, we follow the brand in terms of the services. So if the brand says, you know, put room service back in, we've put room service back in, or if the brand mm-hmm. said, stop breakfast, we stopped breakfast. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and, and, and really took their guidance on that. But the, this cutting back was really only where we were, where we were given that guidance and it looked more at one or, or if we were doing it more on our own opportunistically, it was consolidating roles, um, to provide the same services, but for less people. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier, um, and I, I think we've heard a lot of stories about this, where we're having to find new talent to come in. People that, I mean, not necessarily, and maybe in many cases, don't have much, if any, hospitality experience, which is a pretty big departure from years past, uh, especially depending on the hotel that you worked at. Sometimes you'd have multiple applicants for a position that all have really good hotel experience, and you know that may not be the case today. So. I, how how are you how are you helping the hotels through the process of of finding of finding talent and not being blinded by the fact that they may not have experience but they may bring other beneficial elements to the position that could just help the property in general because that i think yeah. that's a hard mind shift shift to make it, it is it it is and and it's not going to happen organically um, so we are very intentionally, uh, we're actually in, in the middle of it. It's one of our strategic initiatives that we're, that we're right in the middle of right now, but that is, um, a development program where we're bringing people in and either ops supervisors or ops managers. It depends just how, you know, how much or how little experience they've had. And assuming that they have kind of some, some fundamental um, competencies, we can say check, 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 but not hotel experience, then we'll bring them into those roles um, and train them on the hotel industry um, aspects of it. And, um, and then 
and then map out how they get to a general manager role. Like assuming that that, like when they come in, you know, ideally there's someone that wants to go all the way through um, and, and progress with the organization. And then that's when mm-hmm. those, those are the people we're going to invest in. Right. And then we start them in either su- supervisor or manager roles and train them. And then, and they work in the different departments and it's, ba- it's back to like the, the management training programs that yeah. we know of, you know, 25 years ago that I mm-hmm. mean, I know still exist here and there, but it's kind of just going back to that. And, um, you know, like, you're, but it, they don't have to be a college graduate, like some of those programs were, right. They could be coming right out of um, a high school. They could come, they could be in high school, excuse me. And, 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 you know, coming in through an apprenticeship program. Um, then that's what I'm talking about. Some of the work like the AHLA is doing that we're partnering with them. Now they're just doing that in major markets. So, we're going to have to supplement that in other places um, with our own tactics to bring people in. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but in any case, that's really how we're doing it. We're just going back to the basics and and we're, we're, we're bringing them in and training them on the industry, kind of assuming that they've met um, basic qualifications. And then, I'm sorry, I shouldn't also say they don't just have to be high school or college students. They could also be, you know, they could also have 15 years in trucking or warehousing or medical and they and they're coming into the hospitality industry, but they've got you know proficiency in in, in problem solving and communication mm-hmm. and uh, and teamwork um, and an aptitude for learning. If they check all of those, if they check those boxes, um, and a mm-hmm. desire, of course, to want to to want to learn about the hotel industry and progress in it, <laughs> we'll bring those people over over too. I don't I don't want to make it sound like it's just for student just for students because it, it it wouldn't be. But we're just that's how we're doing it. We're just kind of going back to the you know organizational development principles and uh, and building a program and and putting a handful of people bringing a handful of people into it every year. Yeah. Um, are you are you guys, and I, I'll use air quotes around this, the per- personality tests, um, you know, a lot of these, these hiring, um, tools that sort of help you figure out where people's talents are and mm-hmm. what they like to do and how they like to learn and whatnot. Um, in the process of bringing new entrants into the industry, are, are you guys using anything like that? And are you finding that there's, there's any value in being able to place people? If so, are you finding there's value in being able to place people in the right positions and get them on the right yeah, path? Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a great question. If they, well, assuming the tool has been statistically validated and that is important. Good point. Right. And that it's validated for hiring because there are personality, more personality-based assessments that are, that are, that are um, self-reporting. It's like what I say about myself or what you might say about yourself, where it's, it's great information, but it's not validated as a selection tool. Um, So, so that's really important, but the ones that are, are excellent and the competencies are universal and um, and this is what we love about the one we use. Ours also measures an indication of the person's ability to learn. So mm. our, how wide is that funnel? You know, do they have a nice wide learning funnel where they are going to not just want to, but be able to learn new processes, systems, tools? Um, and if you get that right, and then you do the interviewing for the culture, um, and to the extent skill set is relevant and, and important for that role, then it's really, um, it's, it's shown there's studies, you know, over many years, and I'm going back to my Ritz Carlton days when we, that's how I was first introduced to this, you know, 30 years ago. 
um, in that organization, but, um, you know, that, uh, they will stay assuming that those same people are oriented, onboarded, trained, they will stay longer and you'll have less turnover, um, Mm -hmm. by using a one, uh, by using a validated, um, hiring tool like that. So they're really, they're really great, great, uh, really, really good stuff. But you have to make sure you're using the right kind. I, I work with a group of um, uh, uh, professionals that love data and information. And I, I, we probably all, you know, all work with people like that. And and so um, there's some, some assessments that we use that are more post-hire, but they're liked so well that, I, you know, all the time I'm asked, can we run this assessment on someone pre-hire? And we do it <laughs> at a very senior level and that's fine. But I'm always coaching them saying, this is not a hiring tool. We use this for uh, something else and just realize this is what the person is saying about themselves that they believe about how they think. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that is the, that, that that is true. Um, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. It's fun. No, you, that, yeah. that's a great point. It, it shouldn't be used as a hiring decision. It's a data point. It's a data point. R- exactly. Right you, and, yeah. and those can be useful when you're trying to assess how they'll work with the team. Like how's mm-hmm. the rest of the team oriented and are they going to be a complement and make a whole brain you know, for the team, that's when that stuff's yeah. pretty cool and interesting. But again, it's like you, to your point, it's just, it really, they are there, they're, it's a data point. I don't think that it would be a stretch to say that many people within a hotel believe human resources is a, is the culture keeper. Now, whether that's true or not is another discussion, but I think a lot of people view that as part of the role of human resources. And I wonder yeah, there's something that I've been a little, um, it's been a thought experiment for me for a little while. It was trying to figure out, you know, how, especially over the last couple of years here, how do we take what's written in the binders and on the walls at corporate office and, you know, at the staff employee entrance in, in the posters and in the handbooks and that, and translate that into something that you can not just like feel, but you can you can buy into, and that really is within the fabric of how a, a hotel operates. You can, you know, and anybody who's worked in a hotel with a strong culture, and then maybe later in their career worked in one that doesn't have a strong culture, I think you you know exactly the difference between the two. It's really hard to put your finger on, but there's a there's a clear difference. From your side here, as we're bringing a lot of new entrants in, is and and the experience of the last couple of years has that changed how we should be viewing company culture within the industry and how it's kind of enacted and presented on a day-to-day basis i think so i definitely think it's changed how you know that it's it's just made us realize that there's even we need to be doing even more um, and I'll give an example. It's actually right after we we wrap this up, I'll, I'll be doing this. But we um, we decided uh, one of the things that we did is we were hiring so many people back into the organization is that we are now offering orientation um, over video uh, training 
and live, not recorded. Um, and we, we do that too with our DNI training. Um, I'm sorry, diversity and inclusion training. We, we we do the same thing. We we have it live, and our CEO leads it. And we because we've had you know again so many hires in the past two years. But um, but in any case, that is all. That is a very intentional culture building move. I mean, listen, we're we're still assessing for culture. We're still interviewing for culture. Um, we still the property still has to orient and train for culture. Like those things are critical. That was critical before COVID and, and we're, and we're doing it now. We're doing all of those things still and, and have enhanced them too in in different ways. Um, We, you know, you think about the hiring and onboarding like checklists and we actually step back and, and even though that's kind of 101, we step back and, and rewrote them and made sure that they were up to date and comprehensive and they were covering because we didn't want to leave anything to a chance. We don't want to leave anything to chance, especially around hire and hiring and culture and, and culture building. Um, and so like those were one of the things that, that we did as we were working on, you know, other ways to continue to be a top employer. And so this centralized orientation, we've put, you know, 1500 associates through it. We offer it once one or two times a month, depending upon uh, the number of hires. And there are two of us on the executive committee, two of us who report to the CEO run this each time. We are, we're, we, you know, we, we spend about an hour and a half once or twice a month um, leading this orientation for um, for all of the associates. Because we, you know, again, culture building and connectivity make, you know, having them realize they're not, they're not just at, um, you know, the Hard Rock Hotel in Daytona or the Courtyard by Marriott in Grand Rapids, Michigan, or the <laughs> Embassy Suite San Rafael. They're part of, you know, 55 other hotels and a huge presence in Atlanta. And, and we want mm. them to realize that, that they're part of this whole, you know, there's this culture that's across the U.S. that's HVMG, not just at their one hotel. Uh, that, and then also connecting them with the other brands, not just their brand, but the other brands that we, um, where we own and manage as well, um, should they want to change, learn more about other brands and grow their career um, with us as well. I love that idea. It's kind of meeting people where they're at. There's a lot of, uh, you know, that that's a way a lot of people I think have come to enjoy meeting. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't. They still want to go in, but you know, yeah. this the the Zoom thing. I I think that's a phenomenal idea. Uh, well, yeah, right. Um, we can't be in fifty five ho- or fifty six hotels, right? Maybe running orientation. Right. Now, listen. Whenever we take over a hotel, we're about to. We have something so exciting. We're going to operate the very first reverb which is a hard rock brand, the very mm. first reverb in the system. And it, this this brand, I believe, is going to explode. And this hotel is right across the street from Mercedes-Benz Stadium, uh, right in downtown Atlanta, next to the Gulch, which is a, mm. uh, a project that's received, you know, $100 million in, in money from the um, from the state for revitalization. And but anyway, it's, it's right there. And, um, you know, it's going to be, it, the product is just like phenomenal, big, best rooftop bar in the city um, and, and all that. But anyway, and it's just cool. You know, and the associates are the yeah. crew and the guests are the fans and um, yeah, just, just excellent stuff. But um, what, so we're about to, you know, launch this and we will literally go in person and Robert Cole, our CEO will lead that. Um, next week when we go into the hotel. So he'll lead this orientation, the one I'm going to be delivering today later, he'll lead it. And then a few of us on the executive team, and then a lot of the transition team will all be there too. And um, so again, we believe that that culture building right up front is that important that our CEO will will spend his time when it's a new hotel 
like that and, um, and, yeah. and personally do it. And, it. and then um, we ask, we measure this on our satisfaction surveys about the corporate <laughs> office walking the talk and let the GMs tell our general managers, tell us whether or not we're doing it. So. That a little bit of accountability. Yep. Not just sort of like fly in and then fly out, like That's give FaceTime right. and then leave. Yeah. 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 And, and, like and happy to say we we receive scores that are 95% and higher. The last 12 years, we've we've asked that question. Um, and um, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, you Let's talk a little bit about what candidates are looking for. Uh, you talked earlier about some different benefits, things like flexible scheduling and, and whatnot. Um I get the sense that a lot of hiring managers right now are really struggling to try and figure out what the right benefits package looks like, what the right, um, just the right offering for people. And and maybe it's just a little bit in the messaging, right? We haven't been in a position where we've had to really sell to candidates before. Mm-hmm. And now hiring managers are, are sort of turning into sales managers. Um, from your side, what are you seeing that candidates are looking for you know, other than the obvious, you know, flexible schedule, higher pay, maybe a signing bonus, but everybody's doing that. Right. No, I, th- I think that's right. And so then where you can differentiate, well, let me back up because I don't want to take any, take any of this for granted. Like our industry has lagged behind in wages, you know, just right forever. There's, that's no, you look at the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, and, um, and our nobody wages, would argue with that. No one would write. There's no argument for it. <laughs> and it's, a, you know, we can debate the right or the wrong, but I, in, in my opinion, you know, it's a shame that it took the pandemic for us to wake up and, you know, and, and, and pay the right wages and, and, um, you know, not try to, you know, beat the a minimum wage requirement or, or something, you know, where, where we weren't happy about offering $15. Well, now we're offering more than that, you know, and it took the pandemic to do it, but, but anyway, off my soapbox, um, um, no, I think that, that what, you know, people want is, is, I don't know that that's really changed. I think it's to be paid, you know, a fair wage for doing, you know, for doing a, a, a day's work. I mean, there are uh, a lot of our workforce, it's probably 50% of our hourly workforce that really want a great place to work. And, and, and they just, they want to come in and do a great job. And then they want to go home and they want to leave the job there. Right. And, and, and they may have this one job for 25 years, but, and that's okay. And that's what they want to do. And they're providing for their mm-hmm. family and their, their loved ones are providing for them, providing, maybe just providing for themselves. But that's what they want to do. And then there's another part of the workforce that wants to develop. And so we have to be attuned to it. We can't force the ladder on people that don't want it, but then we have to make sure that people that do want it know that there are opportunities and then provide the, um, provide the path for them, for them to move forward. And so that has required constant communication. So we, um, again, at the same, t- with, with the, with, uh, with the pandemic, one of the things too, that we're doing is that we're reaching all of our associates over, um, over, uh, their, their cell phones, they opt in, um, to our, to the, our platform, um, where, so their regional director, their, their GM, well, shoot their department head, their GM, their regional director, the SVP of ops, the COO, or me or my team or our CEO can all use this platform to communicate with one associate, five hotels, 20 hotels, or everyone at once. And that's something that, you know, again, it's like that, that constant just communication and reinforcement of the culture. So we're not just relying on the GM or whoever, the five people at the hotel who have email, 
you know, I think that I think that that's that that's really important. And so it's changed the way that we think about how we reach associates as just making sure that they're getting the complete message and 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 not one that's just a property message. You know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that's really important. And then there are other benefits too. And and you 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 mentioned a number of them. I think, of course, you know offering a daily pay and a, a program where associates can get their pay the day that they earn it. That's, that's, mm. you know, that's huge. Um, I think if you're not offering that, you're, you know, you're going to have a hard time finding, um, finding people. Um, but no, I don't know, not, you know, outside of um, some things like that, like wanting to be paid more quickly um, that, and then work-life balance is maybe another one is just even with your hour, with your salaried managers, it's making sure people are taking their time off. And we really had to push, you know, we really do push, push and encourage that. In fact, as we're looking at uh, changing some policies for next year, it's, it's very possible we're going to a benefit where we pay our general managers when they submit for five days of paid time off, that they get paid and a bonus of some sort, a thousand dollars or maybe more than that, um, at once they have a certain level of tenure to encourage them to take time off. That's very, you know, that's very important today to, so that people can have a work-life balance. Um, that's huge. Mm-hmm. That promoting, promoting time off is, you know, that is, a. Uh, uh, it was, all, I, I remember I, I worked for uh, a luxury brand. Well, I worked for Fairmont. People listen to the show now. And I, I got to the point where I had five weeks of vacation because mm-hmm. I was there for so long. Um, but getting to use that time yeah. off was, you know, I mean, because you, you want to use it when other people in your family are, you know, experiencing things, but also like life things kind of tend to happen at certain milestones during the year, right? Like everybody gets together for holidays and whatnot, and you can never go. You can never take the time off, yeah. um, even though you had all this this time off because the hotels were busy. And um, and I get the operational challenges around that, but I, I think that your your comment about work-life balance is spot on. But people- Because that is one- Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've had yeah. to figure it out. You know, if, yeah. if, if we, um, we will bring in a task force GM to give our department heads and GM time off. Like we'll pay maybe who's 10, someone who's 1099 to come in, mm-hmm. especially for our smaller hotels where they don't have many salaried managers. If a regional or someone like that can't cover it, we will pay someone to come in and, and cover it because it's just, it's so important that people get their time off. Um, oh, yeah. It's just, and, and so we have to take actions to visibly show and encourage this like that. Um, and, um, and, you know, and, and by going to this, you know, hopefully we're doing this as flexible pay time off policy where GMs can, and can take as much time as they want to Mm -hmm. over the year, assuming they're, you know, meeting their performance expectations, then they are not watching the clock and saying, oh, my anniversary's on, you know, June 1st. So I have to take it by then, or I'm going to lose vacation. And they don't have this like, what's supposed to be a positive, right? You're getting paid time Mm -hmm. off becomes a negative inadvertently because of all the rules around it. So let's just strip off all the rules and we're hiring people that we know who perform. We, we trust them. They're running multi-million dollar assets. 
Like, Mm -hmm. of course we trust them. Let's empower them to take the time off when they need to take it and not put a bunch of rules around it. And then let's go one step further. And when they do put in to take that time off, um, meaning when they ask for it, because again, we're going to let them do it on on an unlimited basis. But when they ask Mm -hmm. for it, then give them a bonus once a year to say, good for you. You're taking five days off in a row. Here's an extra you know, whatever, $1,000, $1,500, please go spend this. And I hope you have a great, you know, a wonderful time on your vacation. That's amazing. And that keeps you competitive with other industries that have been doing this for maybe not the bonus for taking time off, but the unlimited PTO thing. Yes. That's commonplace, right? It Especially is. in tech, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Professional services and tech, they've been doing it for a minute. Now, yeah. We could, we could have a whole podcast on that, but um, oh, yeah. hopefully we're learning from what they did, I, I believe, and kind of what, what we're proposing. Um, but, uh, but in any case. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, great point. Last thing I'd like to just touch on before we wrap here is, and we, I think we started to get into this a little bit, but, but is around leading managers today. And I, you know, I, I imagine that the managers that were the ones that stayed through the pandemic and are, you know, they were there before they stayed during, and they're still there today. Um, the, the skill set needed, and I think we've sort of alluded to this through this entire conversation, the skill set needed to almost flip your operation around and run it a little bit differently. Think differently about how you approach culture and employee engagement and recruiting and that, 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 like we've we've really kind of listed out a, a lot of things. Uh, that transition for somebody to think about their role and how they approach their work differently, especially if they've been doing it one way for a long time, could almost be insurmountable for some people. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if this is a conversation about within the organization about leadership development for the tenured leaders or the ones that have been there a long time. How are you helping them, you know, come along with this rising tide with everything else? It's such a, that, I mean, you, you know, it's such an important topic and, you know, maybe putting a, you know, an exclamation point on the end of, on the end of what you're saying, Adam is, you know, we've seen um, like we've never seen before that there've been, you know, some people with long careers, not just with us, but a long hospitality careers that, you know, over the last three years that have just said, no more. Like I, I, I'm leaving this industry, not necessarily even leaving HV, but I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, I, this industry, it's, it's, it's too much. And so, yeah, it's the, you know, change in the guest. It's the, it's the ever changing brand issues and, and company policies and not having enough associate, right. All of the things that we've lived through and they're just like, yeah. I'm, I'm done. And so, yeah, it, early on with the, you know, really the first time this happened, we're like, whoa, you know, wait a second, like wh- what's going on? How could someone, how could someone just leave? Like they don't even have another job, right? Like how, <laughs> how, where are they going? And yeah. it's a wake. You, you really, I mean, boy, if that isn't a wake up call and causes you to stop and look in the mirror and say, well, okay, we're definitely missing, we're missing the boat. And so. God, if, if uh, your, if your better alternative is not to get a paycheck. Yes. Right. That is something you need to look at. That's a great but point. But as we dove into the issue with more and more with their supervisors, what we were hearing was really that it all came down to burnout. And these were the early days where, you know, I'm right or wrong. We could debate that, 
we may have made too many cuts. And as business came back, we had, you know, probably salaried managers taking on more of the burden, not just in the hotels, it was everywhere. It was in the corporate office too. But those that could work more hours did work more hours because there was so much to do and less people to do it until staffing could catch up. And so what we heard was about the burnout. And that is when, Adam, that's when we did stop and say, okay, we've got to, all right, so if we don't have enough people at the hotel to cover for people to take time off, we have to bring in people who are outside of our company. And that's when we started to invest in bringing task force or um, managers from other hotels or another region or having their, their regional cover or something, but some solution to put in a hotel so that the, so a GM can can't, the GM and and salaried managers can take the time off. And that was when we, that's when we really started to do that. And, and I know, you know, that's been, gosh, it feels like it's been a couple of years ago now. It's been at least a year and a half, but that's probably the biggest thing that we've, because when we got to the root cause, it was like, well, why is this happening? Every case it was happening because the, it was just plain burnout. They, they were just, they were just burned mm-hmm. out. Um, and, um, so that was, we're like, well, really practically the only way we can resolve that is to make sure that they're taking time off, Yeah, you know, and, and, and until staffing was, it got back to where it should, you know, but we're still using these task force GMs to help just with things like that. We, I can give, you know, we've got a couple of in hotels right now this week, uh, mm-hmm. covering while, while we have, uh, people off. I love that initiative. Yeah. That's so great. Um, <clears throat> Sue, I, I appreciate you giving us a look behind the curtain on what's going on in a, uh, in a corporate level human resources office. I think it's, it's a world for probably many in hotels that is uh, shrouded in a little bit of mystery, uh, but also is probably more critical than ever in helping drive where this industry goes. And it, you know, I, I appreciate you outlining what you guys are up to. Cause I think you're thinking about this in the, you're thinking about it differently and you're thinking about it in the right way. And I, 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 I hope that the people who are listening to the show today have been able to take a couple of the points we talked about and they might be able to enact them in their property to try to make things a bit different. So it's, uh, it's been a good conversation. Oh, thank you kindly, Adam. I appreciate being asked to join your podcast. And I look forward to uh, seeing this and continuing, um, continuing to watch you. And, you know, it's, it's such a, it's a fantastic industry. Once you fall in love with it, if you really are in love with it, you're not going to want to be anyplace else. And that's the hope that I hold out as we uh, look to bring new people in um, that, that they too will spend a day or a week on property and fall in love with the, the magic of it. Um, and, um, one by one we'll, we'll rebuild our workforce with, uh, we will. with those well new said. folks. Yeah. Well said, well said. So if anybody wants to learn more about you or HM, uh, sorry, HVMG, mm-hmm. where they go? Absolutely. Um, yeah, super easy email S Sanders at hvmg.com um, or just our website, hvmg.com. And you can connect with me um, via email or phone um, from the information there. Sounds great. All right. Well, I uh, appreciate you being on the show and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks, Adam. This was my episode with Sue Sanders. You can learn more about HVMG at hvmg.com. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
for past episodes or to get in touch with us, just go to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at The Proven Principles Podcast, or you can find us on LinkedIn. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to The Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.